Hello and welcome to the Taste Uber Music Podcast. I'm Diana Lynn. After a 40-year career in corporate America, I took a huge U-turn and became a volunteer DJ on 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Since 2010, I've been the host, programmer, and engineer of a weekly Americana Roots music show, The Tasty Brew. With this podcast, I'll be sharing conversations with artists and music industry insiders with the goal of entertaining and educating the listening audience, all while giving a voice to the music makers that are underserved or ignored by mainstream media. There are beautiful, amazing, and talented people in this world. Sometimes you have to travel to a music conference in Montreal to find out one of them, Callie Doherty, has lived a few houses down the street from you for years. Until recently, Kelly served as the communications director for Folk Alliance International, an organization whose mission is to serve, strengthen, and engage the global folk music community through preservation, presentation, and promotion. She was poised to be instrumental in organizing and managing the annual Folk Alliance International Conference as it returned to its home base in Kansas City, Missouri in 2021. The conference was canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic, and the fallout has led to FAI staff cuts that included Kelly. We recently sat down for a conversation in my home, physically distant but close enough to record a wide-ranging conversation that included discovering she started her music career as a young child performing pantomime a la Marcel Marceau, in beauty pageants in Wyoming, followed by a stint singing and dancing with her dad's honky-tonk band in Western saloons, meeting the likes of country stars like Johnny Cash during Cheyenne's Frontier Days. As an adult, she has discovered and curated a love and respect for Irish music and culture, volunteering heavily at Kansas City's Irish Center, Irish Fest, and tending bar occasionally at Brown's Irish Marketplace. Kelly actively volunteers in the dog rescue community and has teamed up with another talented neighbor, Jill Westra, performing locally as distant cousins. As you listen to Kelly's story, I'm certain you'll agree she has what it takes to come back stronger and engaged more than ever in the community she loves. And if I ever get to travel to my ancestral home, Ireland, I want Kelly to be my guide. Enjoy this sheltering in place conversation and musical interlude courtesy of my friend and neighbor, Kelly Doherty. Well, welcome. Thanks for having me. To the Tasty Room Music Podcast. Um, Bo Bledsoe, our mutual friend, reminded me the other night that he introduced us in all places Montreal during Folk Alliance. That was like one of the most embarrassing moments. I felt so ridiculous. Uh, no, I could, you know what, knowing, okay, we've been neighbors for, <laughs> I know. for four years, I think, before that, so, and, and I knew who you were, but I didn't know you, and so, which was really funny that I'm, I'm a reluctant extrovert, so I'm not, I would have never, like, come up and introduced myself, per se, so I'm glad that Bo was, like, thought about it and did that, so. Well, I'm glad he did, too, because you know, when you get to know me, you also know that I'm blind as a bat. And if I don't have my glasses on and you're more than an arm's length away from me, I'm probably not going to recognize you. But um, yeah, I knew your name and knew what you did, but I had no idea we were neighbors and we hadn't actually met. So uh, there were a lot of there was a lot of pain and turmoil associated with that conference for me because I went down in the back and had to spend most of the time in my bed. But so many good things came out of that conference as well for me that uh, I I have nothing 
but good memories of good, it really good it was really. A, it was crazy wasn't it <laughs> it was crazy and the weather was crazy and trying to navigate how i was going to readjust my schedule because of the pain that i was in oh god yeah uh, that was just nutty but um i would like to kind of start with a conversation of your musical dna do you have music in your background i mean you do sing mm -hmm. and you have you put out a cd mm -hmm. of, of music which we'll talk about in a minute but what led up to to what to me is a unique and unusual path musically. oh well that's my i have a very convoluted past um as a child my parents discovered that i could sing and so um i had uh, I lived in Cheyenne, Wyoming, and was getting a haircut, and the lady cutting my hair was like, your child should be in beauty pageants. So my dad took it and ran with it, and so from there, I initially started out doing pantomime. Yeah. So, um, don't judge. Anyway. <laughs> pantomime, like yes. in karaoke, yeah, where you... like, no, like pantomime, like, you know, like, uh, I actually met Marceau Marceau. Oh, like that. mine. Yes, mine. Yes. So oh. I did that, and, um... And I, I that was your talent. That was my talent at the time, and I won my first contest. I was seven, and so that involved getting me involved with a modeling teacher. And so the modeling teacher, you know, I spent several, you know, months working on etiquette and all this good stuff. And um, she became a very good friend of the family's. And I was singing one day at home, and she happened to be there, and she's like, "I didn't know you could sing. This is what you should be doing for your talent." Instead of pantomime. Yes. And so from then on out, my dad had me um, singing in bars whenever he could get me up on stage um, at a place called the Hitching Post in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Um, and Cheyenne is also the home of the granddaddy of them all, the Frontier Days. And so in the summer, in July, that's when the that would hit. And you'd have all of these country musicians there. And so my dad was a willer and a diller. And let me tell you what, we were out at Little America every night on the dance floor listening to Johnny Western sing. And after the concerts at the... Um, at the rodeo, all the musicians would come back to Johnny Western's party at Little America. And so I met Barbara Mandrell and Johnny Cash and um, just a plethora of- And you were how old? Between seven and 10 when all this happened. So, um, and I was, that that point I was, I was into country music and, you know, still doing pageants and everything. And then the big D hit. So my parents got divorced and I ended up back in Kansas with my grandparents and just, Gradually kind of kept my toe into singing, but, you know, without anybody to guide me, per se, I didn't really get too much into it until I got into my junior high years and started singing more and did the local, you know, the contests that you do in high school and all that good stuff and went to college and I met my husband um, and uh, he's a wonderful person and Victor was doing Irish music. Uh -huh. And... Um, you know, I fell in love with the genre and, you know, Victor and I would sit at home and we'd sing a little bit here and there. And finally, one day I got up and sang with the band on stage. Um, at that point, I'd also been taking step dancing. So I was also the step dancer for the band. So I sang and I step dance. I was the, um, the novelty for the while that was there. And then as things progressed and I got older and kids got cuter, we brought in kids, and I began to sing more with the band as opposed to dancing, and then I started helping manage the band and booking and doing things like that, and that band was called Shenanigans, so years ago, Rochelle Baskell, who is a fabulous fiddle player, 
Um, and then, of course, Victor, my ex-husband, we, we had a band and we did Renaissance festivals and we did festivals all over um, Kansas and Missouri and um, uh, Nebraska. And then, of course, again, you know, life is what it is. And Victor and I split and uh, I eventually met up with Mike Duggar, who is a local kind of I, he everybody knows Mike. He's fantastic. Um, he's like a bear in the china shop. And you know, Mike, he's got the wonderful, huge personality and he's generous to fault. Um, but Mike and I formed the Kelly band and I had actually engaged him to help me with the CD. And so, which is the CD that I, I had given you. Um, so I engaged him to help me with the CD and through that CD, the band came out of it. So I had, um, gosh, I had some really lovely people play on it with me and, and Mike Duggar, of course, Julian Lambertson, um, Dave Ag, Roger Landis, um, Mason Brown, some really great people played on the CD with me. Did you ever have a period when you were into rock music or? Oh, well, yeah, I mean. I my, mean, what kind of concerts were you going to well, when you, you know, were a teenager? When I was a teenager, I wasn't really, you know, in high school, I lived with my aunt. And so she, I wasn't really allowed to go to concerts. The very first concert I actually was able to go to, I was 18, and it was Monsters of Rock. So at, through high school, I was definitely the rocker. I really loved rock and roll music, um, the hair bands, but at the same time, I loved Madonna, and I loved Duran Duran. and The I, pop stuff. Yes, but I really loved, I mean, still going back to all that, I really still loved Dolly Parton and Linda Ronstadt and Stevie Nicks. And those are the people that, you know, as far as you're going to talk about somebody guide your style, that would be who guided my style. Um, well, I think it's I think it's great to have um, some variety in your your listening habits, whether that's what you ultimately end up, you know, playing or not. What you know, you get to be a certain vintage, you hopefully will have evolved a little bit. You know, I mean I grew, I'm I'm older than you are, um, but I grew up with rock and roll, you know. Um, I mean, literally, when it started, and uh, was a rocker for a long, long time, and then uh, got into the blues really yeah. heavily, probably in my 30s and 40s, and then I was introduced to Americana, or mm -hmm. not really folk music, because folk music has always been kind of in the in the in the background, um, but got into the so-called alt country mm -hmm. or Americana music in the mid 90s yeah. when I was spending so much time in Texas and being introduced to those yeah. Texas. Yeah singer-songwriters and so yeah I think I think it's pretty natural to have or, or, or it's it's desirable I think to have uh, some some sort of an evolution in your your listening habits oh. and, and what and what you listen to at least and I, I mean I hate I hate to say it <laughs> but there's some people that just are stuck I, you, you know, know I, in the classic rock or the classic country yeah. or classical or, you know, whatever it is, and just won't even allow themselves the possibility it's like of never, supporting any other kind of music. It's like never eating anything other than a grilled cheese sandwich. I mean, well, you miss. Some people that don't, don't. Well, there is that. <laughs> but you miss so much. Yeah. You know, there's so much in this world, so much beautiful music for people to engage with and find and listen. You just have no idea. Well, I think that a lot of people, if you get into Celtic music at all, or you listen mm -hmm. to the ballads, the murder ballads, mm -hmm. you see that that music is, in fact, the roots of what has come to be known as American country music mm -hmm. or um, roots music. Um, 
I have never been to Ireland, but it's on my bucket list to go. Go. So tell me about um, how you were able to come to Ireland for the first time. What's What's that like? Would you suggest people go? What can they expect? Well, the, the Ireland is absolutely beautiful. Um, I ended up going. I had just split up with my longtime boyfriend and had moved out and was feeling, feeling pretty low when um, I've been involved with the Kansas City Irish Festival for several years. And I got the call from the entertainment director, who's a very good friend, and said, Kelly, do you want to go to Dublin? And I was like, Dublin, Ohio. The I'm, Irish not, Fest. I'm from Columbus. Yeah, I know where that is. <laughs> the Irish Fest there. He's like, no, Dublin, Ireland, silly. And I'm like, uh, yeah, you bet. And so I, through the Irish government and through um, the Kansas City Irish Festival, they flew me and another fellow to Ireland to this event called Tradfest. And it's uh, it's um, in Temple Bar area of Dublin. And it's it was just, it's beautiful, a lot of fun. Um when I got to Ireland, to me, I got I got to do a little bit of touristy things. Um, of course, music is always touristy, but um, but wonderful, of course. And it just it's the calling is there. It's such a beautiful country. And mind you, my first seeing of it was just Dublin. I didn't get to see any of the countryside. And what or year like that. was this? How long? Oh ago? my God, um, twenty ten maybe. No, 20, 2011, 2012. Yeah, I had to think about that. So yeah, not so. ancient history. No, it wasn't. It's really not that long ago. And then since then, I've been back. Um, uh, I've been back two other times. So I went to um, the exchange with Folk Alliance um, a couple of years ago to Conakilty. And, uh, and then just two years ago, me and one of my best friends went to um, Ireland and we hit... Um, Oh, we hit the Burn and uh, Galway and then Dingle, which is an absolutely, I mean, Dingle, I could live there in a heartbeat. It's is it, so gorgeous. Is it relatively easy to navigate since oh, yeah. there's, there's not a language barrier? Um, there can be a language barrier because there is an, an area in Ireland called the Gaeltacht, and all they speak is Irish, um, which is what we call Gaelic, but it's mm -hmm. also Irish. So there's several, you know, Irish, um, so Scots, Scots Gaelic, things like that. but. They do have areas that are specifically, and a lot of those people do not talk English. Mm -hmm. um, but for the most part, it is absolutely very easy to navigate. Um, all the signs are in Irish and English, so you know where you're going. The biggest thing for people going over there, and if you do go over I, and you want to drive, um, I suggest making sure that you get a car that's automatic because they will they will give you a manual immediately, and you're driving on the left side of the road, mm -hmm. so that's add you know. Insult to injury to do both of those at the same no, time. I can drive a stick. That's how I learned to yeah. drive. Although you're driving, you're yeah. doing the stick with your left hand. Uh, I, don't, I don't have any desire to drive in a foreign country. I did it in the Virgin Islands where they drive on the left-hand side mm -hmm. of the road. Yep. And uh, I, I'm all for Ubering or taxiing or whatever. I when was, you don't know the local yep. rules and the laws and you don't know where you're going and yeah, I was very fortunate that the, all the times I was over, of course, in Dublin, you could walk everywhere. And um, when I was in Clonakilty, um, at that time, Clonakilty and part and Dingle, I was dating a, a gentleman over there. He's an agent, and um, he was driving us everywhere. So I was like, except when he left, and and uh, I, Kathy and I ended up taking the bus from Galway to Dingle, and that was really easy. It was fun. It was really nice to see the countryside. We didn't have to drive. You know, it was really very Is cool. there much as much music in 
the pubs and the local oh, places yeah. as they oh, yeah. see, as it's depicted? Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, you can go anywhere. I tell you, when I was in Dublin, the song I think I heard the most was Wagon Wheel. So, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, one of my favorite little movies to watch that I watch a lot is P.S. I Love You, oh, yeah. which is, uh, there's a lot of it shot in Ireland. Yeah. And, yeah. and the pub scenes there and, and the countryside is just absolutely stunning everywhere i went i will tell you when i went to dublin um we walked into a bar danny regan and i walked into temple bar temple bar tried fest and immediately we ran into people we knew two musicians we knew um and then we knew you know in this little this festival we met musicians and we we knew some musicians so it was really crazy and actually it was funny because one of the they'd have a big thing at like 10 30 at night it was started 10 30 in this one bar um and uh like every band, a band would play every 30 minutes. And so they had all the producers from like Milwaukee Irish Festival and, and Iowa and some of, you know, Kansas City, of course. And uh, one night, the former banjo player for Mumford and Sons was there and he, he was coming over and playing. And I, he just had this huge 10 gallon hat. I mean, he was from Texas. He wasn't, he wasn't yeah. an Irishman. Yeah. So, but he was a lot of fun. Um, you know, so you ever seen that video of Dolly Parton in a pub in Ireland? Yes, I love that. That's a, that's I a great love one. That. Black is the color of my true love's hair. His lips are like a
suffered death ten thousand times. So fare you well, my own true love. The time has passed, but I miss you now, and still I hope the time will come when you and I. Shall be as one. Black is the color of my true love's hair. His lips are like a rose fair. The prettiest face and the gentlest smile. I love the ground. So, how do they feel about Americans appropriating all their music <laughs> over there? Well, it's funny because you know I'm heavily involved. Because we think we're all that. Oh we're yeah, not, and you know? yeah. Well, the, you know, and I'm heavily involved in the Irish community here in Kansas City, and I have a lot of Irish fans that live here now. And like one of my dear friends, Ken Winter, says that um, he's like, "You Americans, you're more Irish than we are." <laughs> Yeah. Like, which, uh, uh, you know, and, and I'm not sure that he's take, meaning that as a compliment either. So it's just kind of funny. But yeah, I mean, I think they're okay with it. Um, Culture Ireland really, I mean, the, their main export is their artistry. And so that includes the music and the music is changing. And, and the one thing that I know that Culture Ireland has been really um, pushing in a good way is that they're not the music from Ireland is just not the diddly eye that a lot of people see it as you know the whole oh, oh, you know leprechauns everywhere it's not oh, Danny bad boy. yeah and Danny Boy's not even an Irish but you know it kills me but uh, they push their music is is so strong now there's some really fantastic groups coming out of there that do more contemporary stuff that you know um, the Young Folk is one um, Corner Boy was at. Yes. I did enjoy Corner Boy. Yeah, very Corner much. Boy was there, and you know, um, gosh, there's so many, so many fantastic musicians over there at this point. So, um, do they do they have music in schools there? Is it part of their, hmm. yeah. their yeah, yeah, curriculum? Yeah. yeah. Um, Can you make a living over there as a musician? The night, well, Does yeah. the state? Supported in any way like Canada yes. has so many yes. so, so much support for their musicians that comes directly. Culture from Ireland is one of the direct funders. They they have their musicians that they support and bring over to the states and Canada and things like that. Um, they're very supportive of musicians over there. It's not like here in the states where you have to have a second or third job. Right. You know. What about the other arts besides? They're the same way. Like if um, you're a painter or a sculptor. Yeah, or a absolutely. Playwright same or... with Culture Ireland. In fact, um, you know, I book a lot of the entertainment for the Kansas City Irish Center, and um, I had booked before everything went to hell in a handbasket. I booked three plays, one one person plays to, that were being sponsored by Culture Ireland to come over. Should so, I do plays at the Irish Center as well? Yeah, we're working. I mean, on I that. do yeah. have a stage. Yep, we right. are. We are working on it. Uh, this was going to be our. Our big bad, but uh, it, you know, and style, uh, yeah, they're gonna be fantastic plays. So, what? Um, so, are you having regular meetings like we all are that have anything to do with a nonprofit about what to do next yeah. after COVID nineteen, whether it's six months from now or a year from yeah. now? I mean, there there is an opportunity to pause and to pivot if you if you need to or you should. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so I think there's a lot of good that's going to come to come from it um, because frankly the old model for musicians in America is not working so if that all gets burned to the ground that's mm -hmm. probably going to be fine um, there needs to be a restructuring of how we support the arts here yep. and my personal belief is not only does the government need to get involved but corporate America mm -hmm. it makes no sense to me that in places like Austin they have 20 relief organizations for musicians, but they give Apple a $25 million incentive to yeah. build a new building. Yeah. Apple doesn't need $25 million, yeah. no. but you've got all these these musicians that are starving. Absolutely. <laughs> and can't afford, you know, the rent. Well, and they, and, you know, they expect people to come in there to listen to music there, too, you know, yeah. which is amazing to me. I, I yes, we are, and I, I'm like you. Art should not necessarily be supported they should be supported but they should be invested in is mm -hmm. what i'm getting it's at. an investment it is a total investment it needs to start in the schools mm -hmm. i mean we can we can talk about and go on to yeah absolutely politicize this forever but um i think that um for me as a non-musician mm -hmm. someone who's just a patron and a, and a fan it's so kind of obvious to me that it's broken <laughs> it needs to be fixed and yeah, just got to figure out. There's, I'm sure somebody that's higher in the food chain or the pay grade than me will figure it out. But well, maybe we. Hope I'm so. all I'm all for trying something different. And we we need to. And I think that you know, I think a lot of good will come out of this. I think there's going to be some shakeups. I I do believe that we will see festivals and some venues and some some performing arts centers go under and and. Maybe that's a necessary thing to thin the hurt a little bit. be reconfigured or reimagined. And, yeah, reimagined. And but it will rise again. I do believe that we'll be stronger and and smarter in how we're doing things we'll right have now. To be. Yeah, absolutely. Really yeah. Any choice about that? Um, so, what do you think about Kansas City in general as a place to be a music? lover to be a music lover i think we're really fortunate i think we have a lot of fantastic um artists that are here and i think we have a lot of fantastic people that come through because we have the venues to offer them we're not a flyover place anymore no absolutely not i mean i i feel like we have become a destination for for people to play i know? was uh... I was editing or listening to this this interview that I did with Iris Dement was my very first interview on the mm -hmm. radio. So I mean it's almost ten years old. Oh wow. But the subject matter is timeless for the most part. You know, the things that we talked about. And so I'm gonna it's never been aired but oh, wow. since the day. Yeah. That that'd be fantastic. So I've edited, you know, some some of the stuff out that makes it time makes it uh, has a time reference on it really. But most of it was just very general um, and I forgot what my original light was going to be about Iris and that. Um, but, you know, as far as K how Kansas City, um, you know, welcomed her. Yeah. And she was different and considered odd. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Her appearance was odd. Her, her sound was odd. And um, when we're having this conversation, the Kaufman had just opened. And she hadn't seen it or been mm -hmm. to it or really knew too much about it. 
And I was talking to her about it, and she just said, oh, my gosh, I, I can't even imagine how beautiful that must be. And I said, well, you must take a tour. They, they'll give you a tour, a private sure. tour. You just need to go, because I said you would sound fantastic <laughs> <laughs> at the Kaufman. Not necessarily in the room where the symphony plays. It wouldn't have to be in that mm -hmm. room. It could be in the, in the smaller theater. But I said, it's, it is absolutely a world-class facility yeah. that people are stunned yep. that are here in Kansas City. But there are people from all over the world now that are coming to, to the Conservatory of Music mm -hmm. here at UMKC just so that they have the opportunity to perform at that center. Yeah. Because it is world-renowned world for its acoustics and design and it, it really kind of is stuff. fantastic. I mean, it's it's a gorgeous theater. I mean, not just sound-wise, but inside. I mean, it's just Oh, the wow. first time I went in to see uh, an event in the other theater, not the Hell's Button Hall. Yeah, but the, the small, yeah, yeah. The smaller one that looks like the flight deck of the Star Trek Enterprise. <laughs> no, I mean, it's unlike any theater I've ever seen. Yeah. The color scheme, I mean, everything is just wild. They did a fantastic job. It, it was, it really was a, a mo Moshi Softy is the one that designed mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. yeah. So. And I think the acoustician or whoever's the sound person mm -hmm. was from Japan. And uh, I understand that the sound engineer, the lead sound engineer up there is a woman that I That's would like to talk to. Yeah, no and, doubt. And, and, we and all? Yeah, that would be something. Well, What's next for Kelly, Doherty? Oh, what's next for Kelly? Well, um, you know that because we all can think we know what's next. <laughs> well, you know, honestly, I I don't completely know what's next. And you talk about moving forward with music and in general and everything. And you know, I'm uh, unfortunately not able to stay with Folk Alliance because of the pandemic and everything. Um, nonprofits are struggling. Music is struggling. Um, years ago. One of my dearest friends, David Shaughnessy, were both on the entertainment staff of the Kansas City Irish Festival. And well, about three years ago, we joked around about forming an agency and a music agency. And so, uh, you know, back and forth, Dave went, into, went and worked for an agent as well. And then just as things rolled out, he kind of, in the last six months, has started his own agency, six, seven months. And... Um, you know, with me not able to stay with Folk Alliance, we started talking, and as of July 1st, I will be joining Uptown Artist Group um, to help Dave move the um, agency along. Now, when I say that, what I, I know right now, we have no income. Nobody mm -hmm. has income. There's nothing to book, um, uh, and things are still very up in the air. But Dave and Ronan Collins, um, and the three of us, really want to take this and make it an all-around uh, business, uh, you know, where we're agents, we're managers, we'll help you with your bios. Dave's also a professor and photographer. We'll talk to you about sound. We'll, we'll get you to be a business that you want to be at the same time, helping you get gigs and booking you where you need to be. And this, you know, those services will be required again. Mm -hmm. And this is an opportunity to press pause. Yeah and to think things through perhaps a little more thoroughly with plan B's and C's um, for um, times like these when you cannot meet face-to-face -face mm -hmm. or you can't play a festival. Um, well, and the, you know what? Honestly, the site is so open right now because we have no idea what's going to go on with 
the world and the music industry right now. So we have an opportunity to help others. Um, and that's my deal. I mean, I'm a person that I, I love singing and I still will play with Jill and distant cousins. Um, but I'm really a person who likes to help people. I like to stage manage. There's a reason I've always been an office manager and things like that. Um, you know, and that's what this is going. This is the opportunity that I'm going to help. I'm going to be staying in the music field in one way or another, and I'll be able to help people. You know, my biggest pet peeve is bios. Mm. <laughs> bios and tech what, sheets. Oh, I mean, you're, one yeah. sheets. Oh yeah. my gosh. I mean, I. Oh, I bet. I get lots of one sheets, and some of them are really, really bad, <laughs> and some of them are really, really good. But I just always get a big. A big kick out of how how many adjectives there's only so many adjectives that you can use to describe yeah and using yeah. them correctly is another way yeah right? that's you know? another thing that's well another and way. like that's that's something you know as this agency moves forward you know talking to somebody like you a radio dj who's seen and knows what you like to see and what's good and mm -hmm. what's not this is this is like we do a consultation how yeah but it's just you know? you know it's just one one person's opinion it I, is but it, it does help you know, yeah. and it's the same thing you can look at it as it's just our And my answer time. to you today would be completely different than it was five years ago. Absolutely. Or maybe even six months ago. You know, and I sat in, I went to NERPA in November, and I sat in um, on one of the, the DJ panels just to listen up, you know, and everything. And every one of those guys or folks in there um, had a different Mm -hmm. need or want and some of them wanted cds and some of them wanted you know ebks and um and some of them wanted a one sheet some didn't care you know and well so, i think that with with the so-called folk djs or, or roots we're typically associated with community radio or public radio and so we have a lot more autonomy mm -hmm. than a dj on a commercial yeah. radio station where everything is is uh, homogenized and um, structured and it must be yeah. in this format and you cannot accept it any other way and it's just not like that and in this um, in this realm or in these genres of music um, well and you know another thing that I think about moving forward is that this has brought to the fore or given the opportunity for many people who did not have the opportunity to go see live music because they couldn't, mm -hmm. either because of geography or physical impairment mm -hmm. um, or any number of reasons. They could not go to a music fest or age, yep. some disability, yep. couldn't go anymore. And so it's not the same as live music, um, but it at least gets them, allows them to have uh, that connection where they're seeing music in real time and they can support it financially immediately well, and, and it, directly without it going yeah. through the venue with the booking agent. Yep, yep. You know, well, and you know, it's, it's, you know, social media is a, uh, a curse and a wonderful thing. All I mean, same it's time, a, it's a, know? it is an amazing it, it, dichotomy it, yeah. how it is such a blessing and a curse yeah. how we how I, I you know you look back to the 1918 pandemic and other how they ever got through that without better communication mm -hmm. and, and information we have it immediately maybe too much sometimes. maybe too much <laughs> and, and, and conflicting you know yeah, like absolutely what's, what's what's true and 
you know. Well, and at, at the true. same time, for you know, musicians, where I say it's you know, social media is a curse. You know, where musicians only had to, you know, back in the seventies, really, what you had to do is you had to, you know, sing and make a record and maybe put a press kit together and and just you know, call people and say, I you know, I'd like to play. Now, now, musicians not only have to do all that but they have to post on social media and you've got to be on Instagram and you've got to be on LinkedIn and then you've got to push it to Spotify and Pandora. And then you've got, I mean, you have to be so much that you can't sit down and really hone your music unless you have somebody helping. Well, that's one of the things that we um, decided early on with the Heartland Mm -hmm. song network Mm -hmm. that we, if we didn't do anything else, we were going to spend the money on having a social media director yep. or yep. pay somebody to do that for us best thing you guys could have done absolutely it's, it is the best it is the smartest thing we've done a lot of good but that was probably the smartest thing <laughs> that we did and yeah. so uh that that's going to be you know the challenge to to raise money so that we can keep doing that so that we can execute on on the mission and that's what a, a lot of nonprofits and a lot of independent artists and gig artists mm-hmm. are going to have to figure out what's the highest and best use of my time and is there any of this I can delegate mm-hmm. uh, to someone else on whatever this new so-called gig economy is going to be. Uh, because if you are really a talented musician and you don't want to tour anymore and you don't want to live out of a van and eat bad food and you'd like to stay home <laughs> in Kansas City, you know, we gotta figure out a, a bit, yeah, yeah. We, we figure out a way to do that, whether it's a combination of private lessons mm-hmm. and house concerts and regardless of genre. Yeah. I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't see why, and it's my own ignorance. Uh, if you love classical music or any genre of music, they, hopefully there is a house concert circuit for you to be able um, to do that. I mean, this is not your grandpa's folk music necessarily. Yeah. I, I think there has to be, I really think there has to be. And it really is just returning to the way it was before. Yeah. Yep, before television and, and, and radio. We have to think about what we want as a musician. Are you wanting that huge pop star life where the cameras are constantly in front of you and judging everything mm-hmm. you do and blah, blah, blah? Or do you just want to play? Do you just want to get out in front of people and be social and give part of yourself to somebody else um, and to feel that passion? Is that, I mean, you have to really, as a musician, you have to decide what you're doing. Well, I think I agree with um, um, what I read in Big Magic there by Elizabeth Gilbert. I, 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 I believe a lot of what she says. There's no shame in having another full-time gig mm-hmm. that's completely unrelated to music yeah. to pay your bill so that you can do this other thing. You know what? Because Big Magic can happen regardless. I And I, I totally agree with her because, I mean, through going to work with Dave for the the agency, I still have to get a full-time job. And before I worked with Folk Alliance, I had the full-time corporate jobs. And I always told people that I worked to live. So my life actually began after work because everything that I really loved doing was after work and didn't necessarily involve work. My jobs were great, so don't get me wrong on that. And I appreciate the fact that I had the opportunities that I had, but everything I've done has either been a band or, you know, 
working with the Irish Fest and the Irish Center and doing, you know, helping with fairs and festivals and setting that stuff up and helping bands and just behind the scenes. That's where my life is, the volunteering, the being part of it, the working with animals. I still work with animals and all of that. That is that is what was important to me. Mm -hmm. The job just helped me pay my bills and made it so that I could do that. And I think more musicians will probably, I know a lot of musicians that are not working musicians. They're full time, you know, working for the man and then they go and do their thing when they, because that, they don't lose their soul so much. You know what I'm saying? They don't get, in the sense that you work yourself to death as a musician, if that's all you're doing. And it's, it's sometimes painful and it's soul sucking because you don't understand why people aren't nicer to you sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It just It's hard, hard work. It is hard work. Um, but the same token, nobody owes you anything. Nope, not at all. Nobody owes you anything. And if you, that's the life that you choose, there's, there's, there's a price. There's a price to be paid. My, my hope is and my mission is to help support those artists regardless of the genre in the decision to stay here in this part of the country if they choose to Mm -hmm. and if they want to make a full-time living as a musician doing it by staying in this Mm -hmm. area then let's figure out how to support them in in that in that effort because i don't know anybody i don't know anybody who doesn't love music who doesn't turn to music when they need to to grieve or to express joy or happiness um, or a sense of community, people turn to music and to art and to culture to make themselves feel more human. And um, we should honor and support those that can produce mm-hmm. and create. Because I, I don't create anything but emails. <laughs> And I love listening to music. And, and well, you you give people the space to play, so that's creation in itself. So and knowing that it's there, and that you you are providing a spot. Well, I've always been a lover of music, but I was never, not always in the position to do mm-hmm. what I'm doing now. So um, that is my hope that for whatever time I've got left that I will be doing that. Mm-hmm. I think it's awesome. And <laughs> the, the, the Heartland Song Network will live way beyond me and <laughs> you young whippersnappers will take it yeah, over. Yeah, right. And see the, <laughs> and see the, well, I'm excited for your new um, opportunity. Yeah, I am too. And I'm so glad you're my neighbor. Thank you. I'm glad you're my neighbor too. I can't wait for this deck to be open so we can do some you know back oh yard yeah. concerts it's, it's, social distance con- concerts <laughs> yeah we're, we're, we are uh, absolutely the the design of what's happening there is taken into account That's, what we what we plan it's absolutely to gorgeous do in the future is there anything else that you want to tell the world oh yeah I'm single? No, I'm <laughs> actually single and ready to mingle. yeah no uh yeah I mean music I feel is gonna save the world it certainly saved my life's lives. lives. Hmm. Saved my life many times. And this fact that it just it brings me back into in touch with myself and with community. Well, I think we're gonna be just fine. It's not it's not gonna be easy to make the transition, but no. we're gonna be just fine. Yes, we are. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.